The Film Guide with Chris and Sam. Part of the St Albans podcast with Danny Smith. Hello and good times to you all who are listening. Welcome to another film guide. The St Albans <laughs> Film Guide, what is it? <laughs> you always seem so sure about what you're saying. I Until really I'm it. not. <laughs> Hello everyone, welcome, good times to you all. This is the St Albans <laughs> Film Guide. It is Friday the 8th of September 2023 and I am your host, Sam Rolf, and with me, our guide today, it is Chris Aikman, local film fan. Hello, Chris Aikman, local film fan. Welcome. Hello. Thank you for having me, Sam. <laughs> You're Good more times welcome. to you all. <laughs> I'm, I'm starting something new. It's a, it's a new intro we're going to have. Yeah, exactly. It's timeless. You know, if I say good morning... It might not be morning when someone's listening, and that's what Danny always says to me. Oh, it's not, it's not, you know, it's not. So I'm picking a, I'm taking a, an intro that's timeless. A good times to you. Okay, that seems fair. Mm. All right. So what are we doing? We are going to be looking at films that are new to cinema, as always, and then new to streaming. Then we're going to have a little bit of a where to next. How exciting! where we travel around the world and watch films that are not in the English language. And then we will have a look at picks on free to television chosen by your fine self there, Christopher. Indeed, yes. Well, let's get started with cinema. So there looks like there's three three films, um, you know, with a void of summer. There's a few films coming out now. So please start to tell me about My Big Fat Greek Wedding 3. Yes. Did you know there was a second one, Sam? I feel like I probably knew, but I've not seen any of these films, so I'm not I'm not au fait with the franchise, I'm afraid. No, I saw the first one some years ago, but I haven't seen which got nominated for an Oscar actually, the first one for the I hear it is very play. good. Um yeah, it was it was a it was a very big hit. I think it broke some sort of record for the highest grossing independent movie of all time when it came out. It was, it was a very big hit. The second one I don't have never seen. And this is the third one uh, where the uh, Portokoulos family uh, go on a trip to Greece for a family reunion after the death of family patriarch Gus. Uh, Gus was played in films by Michael Constantine, who he did actually pass away in 2021. So this is first film without him in it and they're going to and it's obviously been written into the story and yeah sort of romantic light-hearted comedy starring Nia Vardalos and John Corbett and a lot of other people brilliant okay well if you're a fan of the franchise already or maybe you feel like you want to catch up then that's what's out uh, soon in the cinema and so well, today in the cinema, today, yes. as of the 8th of September. Uh, the next film we have coming out is called Past Lives. Now, this is a film I'm very interested in seeing because it's got a lot of a lot of buzz around it. Uh, this is about Nora and Sung, who are two deeply connected childhood friends. Uh, they rest apart after Nora's family em- emigrates from South Korea. Decades later, they are reunited for one fateful week as they confront destiny, love, and the choices that make a life. This mm. is the uh, it had its world premiere at the Sundance Film Festival earlier this year and has already been released uh, theatrically in the United States. 
and it's had exceptional reviews. It's the debut film of Celine Song. And uh, do you mean director, actor? The directorial debut. Directorial. Did I not say directorial debut? If you did, I apologise. I was clearly listening. <laughs> I, I might not have done. Uh, and Celine Song also wrote the film as well. Yes, yeah, so it's ah, about these okay. two two people who were very um, very close as young teenagers, but then um, one of those families emigrated from South Korea to uh, the United States, and then they they sort of spend a week together for the first time in, in decades and Aww. yes it's had uh, uh like i say exceptional reviews and it seems like a, a very fascinating movie fantastic okay well we'll look forward to seeing that and finally uh well obviously there are probably other smaller releases but these are the major ones um this is the nun 2 yes i've so this is the ninth film in the Conjuring universe. Ah, I was going to say, I don't think this is about your kindly old nun down no, the street. This is this a... is not. Have you seen any of the Conjuring? I have not seen any Conjuring film. I think I've seen the first one, but like it came out quite a while ago. And as a horror fan, clearly I should have seen at least that one. And I'm I'm familiar with the story the true life story that is based on so, so of details of which i care not to mention now sure <laughs> because i forget exactly but i have heard the story and you know it's, it's been explained this is what is you know based on so the conjuring movie is based on so yes so that so there's so there's the conjuring so within the the conjuring universe there are several franchises there's the conjuring franchise which says the conjuring the conjuring 2 and the conjuring, the devil made me do it. There's also the Annabelle. That's what films. they all say. Exactly. Oh, Annabelle. Okay, that's the one I'm thinking of, where it's a a possession of a of a young girl, and in real Is life, it a it's creepy doll. Oh, a creepy doll? maybe I'm thinking of a different Annabelle's thing. Annabelle's a creepy doll. Oh. So Annabelle, Annabelle creation, and Annabelle come home comes home is uh, the Annabelle films then there's the nun and also the curse of La Llorona is also another one in the Conjuring universe but yes the nun too is the ninth one there's also gonna be the Conjuring last rites spell r-i-t-e-s I assume yes indeed obviously so I so yeah this is set four years after the end of the first film the film follows sister Irene and she once again comes face to face with the demonic force Valak, the nun, at a boarding school in France. Okay, yeah, no, I'm getting, I think I'm getting this and another series of... Are you thinking of Insidious? Possibly, okay, I don't know. I mean, it's all supernatural, ghosty, but yeah, stuff, isn't it? It's your, so... your sort of stuff. Yeah, but it is and it isn't, because I've never really been that into the supernatural ghosts and things, because like, it's not scary, so. You don't find any of them scary. <laughs> but this is like, particularly doesn't <laughs> tickle my scare bones. Not scary, so. but in a not enjoyable way. Not scary, but in a not enjoyable way. Yes, exactly. Because you enjoy, you enjoy horror movies, mm. despite... The lack of an effect on you. Yeah, I do. 
yeah i think yeah there's okay it doesn't it doesn't matter but yes i've just i've seen what the conjuring is and now i understand i remember what that one is it's a whole thing of dude his family in a house and anyway so yeah okay so this is so i should just catch up at some point basically so uh, yeah you've got nine films to work through so okay Better late do you think than i'll never. get do you think i'll get through them before this uh stops being in the cinema <laughs> Mm, maybe not yeah, yeah okay well another time but yes those are those are three of the big releases this week at the cinema okay chris let's have a look at streaming platforms and what is out new i see you have an an amazon release a, a prime video release uh this is called sitting in bars with cakes Yes, so it's inspired by true events. It follows best friends Jane and Corinne as they navigate life in Los Angeles in their 20s. Corinne, the ultimate extrovert, convinces her shy but extremely talented home baker best friend Jane to commit to a year of baking cakes and bringing them to bars with the goal of meeting people and developing confidence, also known as cake barring. During the year of cake barring, Corinne receives a life-altering diagnosis. And the pair face a challenge unlike anything they've experienced before. Apparently, I'm, I'm not saying I'm I'm gonna let you in on this. I'm not saying this off the top of my head. Sitting in bars of cakes isn't only a madcap joy ride through some of LA's most colourful watering holes, it's a moving celebration of female friendship, forging identity, and finding joy in the most unexpected places. Okay. So yeah. I mean it sounds like it could be good. But it could also be terrible. <laughs> yeah, it sounds like the sort of thing that at some point, even if it's not very good, at some point it's probably going to make me cry. Yeah, for sure. Like if it's like, <laughs> oh, an un- unexpected, uh, what was it? Diagnosis. Diagnosis. Life altering. Oh, yeah. Diagnosis. Okay. Well, that's not, you know, awful, regardless of how terrible the film is. Yeah. Um, it's, fun- it's funny when a film does that to you, when you're watching a film and it's like not being great. And then at some point, they really tug on your heartstrings and it gets you. And you're like, yeah. damn it. I, you don't, you didn't deserve this. You didn't deserve it. It's like jump scares in horrors when they mm. use them in a way that is just cheating. And it's, you know, they just like suddenly yell at you or whatever. Yeah, exactly. They, they, they did a, they did a good bit of like emotional music and bit of emotional music. Thing someone's, lip, someone's lip quivered and, well, you and me, I think, are, are quite good criers. We'll mm. we'll be made to cry. We watched about forty five seconds of an episode of Bluey the other week, <laughs> oh, and no. it wasn't forty five. It was the whole episode. They're not we that didn't long. Watch the, we did not watch the whole episode. We it was were the whole w- episode, wasn't it? No, no. We what, were, they we just were... skipped to the bit that was sad. We no, we we just we just sort of like basically tuned into it for that sort of part, and it was. Oh. I it thought was... I watched the whole episode. Can you recount what happened in it? Yeah, but I don't want to ruin it for the okay, listener. Okay, sure. But anyway. for anyone who's not familiar with children's television programs, Bluey is an Australian cartoon about a family of dogs, and it's very cute. And there's yeah. also... I think there's plenty of examples throughout our childhood of plenty of... There's also just the Ninja Turtles, but I don't know. Like... <laughs> Where, you know, emotional life lessons are told through the yeah. medium of children's TV shows. Because oh, yeah. that's where it's, a lot... It's very important, yeah, you learn yeah, these lessons. learn these things. No, but I'm saying we, 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 we cry easily. 
Yes, um, we did. Yes, you're right. We, yeah, you could watch that 45 seconds of Bluey having never seen Bluey and probably cry, or you're a robot. So yeah, see a therapist if you don't <laughs> if it doesn't make you cry. <laughs> anyway, so that's sitting in bars with cakes. That's on Amazon. Okay, Chris, let's have a look at our not in the English language international film. Although I suppose technically a British film could be made not in the English language. True, it can be. Um, so this is a French movie from 2022 called The Night of the Twelfth. Yes, this is a film directed by Dominic Moll. Um, and he also co-wrote the screenplay and it's based on a true life murder and it basically at the beginning it tells you statistics like horrendous statistics about the amount of unsolved murders there are in France per year and so you know going into it essentially that this is a film about an unsolved murder and in the first like the first five minutes, a young woman is quite horrifically slain in a small French town. They're outside, they're, they're like in a sort of a small town outside the larger town of Grenoble. And like I say, this is based on a true event. Uh, this is a, essentially a murder that happened. Um, the sort of few, few things have been changed about it, but the police are called. They go about investigating, gathering evidence, talking to family, having to break the horrible news to the to the parents of of the young woman, and then going and sort of getting a list of people they might want to talk to and working through that. And it's it's about the sort of what happens as as evidence starts to run out and you start to run out of leads and things like that. And they talk to plenty of people who who knew this woman who all could have could have done it and they have sort of not reasons necessarily but they they all sort of can be suspected in different ways but none of them there's any evidence to, to suggest it's definitely them and so it's a more sort of a drama about the police as they yeah sort of start running out of um things you know things to do and and it's a sort of about the the horrible reality of you know we watch films all the time where the the murder is caught at the end and it's like yeah they did it and it's like no this murderer is still out there could they do it again potentially and sort of the grim reality of it it's a very, very powerful film, I thought. What did, what did you think, Sam? Mm, I wanted to scream into a pillow ad infinium, <laughs> so uh, yeah. Yep. Yeah, that's fair. It was, I mean, it was, I thought it was very well put together. And like you say, you sort of have that unfortunate mystery that happens in real life all the time where, yeah, y- y- there's a high chance that that specific murder that 
it's based on is likely to never be solved and this happens all the time like yeah we see we see so much in hollywood and other film industries of stories you know good versus evil and it's easy to tell who's the evil one and the good guys are going to come beat the bad guys and in the end everyone is happy and the bad people are in prison or whatever but unfortunately yeah in real life it's like a lot more gray and um i think yeah i thought that the way they portrayed each of the suspects was very was cleverly done and like like i say it's probably true in, to real life because for those of you who don't know me i listen to a lot of true crime <laughs> podcasts and uh so i've heard many of these true life stories where you can have you know a serial killer and the police will interview a hundred people and for the minutest of reason it could have been every single one of those men but it just wasn't because obviously not a hundred people are serial killing in one area at a time thankfully but yeah like it's just it's very interesting and i thought it yeah i thought it was very well done and I would recommend people watch it. I mean, obviously, it doesn't sound like the most fun time, but no. it is. And yeah, it is a is a nice little movie. Part part of the part of the sort of theme of it is, is so the the all of the cops investigating the murder are men, and it's a it's a group the the murder squad for one of the better the homicide division of this mm. town thing are entirely men. And they're exploring this woman's life, but they're you know they're investigating it. They constantly ask her best friend, like when they have a new suspect, like did basically did she have sex with them? It, were they was she like romantically involved? And it's like that's how they sort of approach this. It's like in in a way of like you know has not necessarily has she brought this on herself, but there's sort of like that always that underlying thing of like you know, victim blaming and uh, of like, you know, by, by by sleeping, by sleeping around and being sort of sexually, you know, adventurous and sort of open. Did she somehow yeah, bring invite, this on herself? Invite, yeah. invite, invite danger. And ridiculous. And it was sort of, it was interesting. I think that because as, as the, again, as we should say, it's not really, it's not a spoiler to say they don't solve it, but it's, it, this is happens, it happens over a number of years. The timeline of the movie mm. is over a number of years. So they sort of keep it open and, and they want to sort of keep investigating, but they, you know, eventually they essentially, like I say, run out of leads, run out of funding and they're told, you know, and then obviously other crimes happen. So mm-hmm. you move on to, to those ones and, um, but sort of as the years go by, sort of by the end, there is there is a a woman cop on in the team, and there's sort of the dynamic changes and and sort of all, you know, I thought it was interesting this aspect of the film about the relationship between the, these cops and sort of their and also just generally outside of the murder, what sort of police work does to to these people, mm-hmm. and because one of the one of the cops is sort of an older guy who is 
having troubles at home and stuff like that. And, you know, he's, he's very tired and, and it's basically a recurring thing of all of these cops have these stories of basically the one that got away, the one that he didn't manage to, they couldn't to solve. solve. Yeah. Yeah. And it haunts them somehow. And it, and it haunts them because it's, just, you know, it's not an answer. But yes, this was a, a pretty big hit when it, came out and it was sort of uh, critically speaking in France uh, won a lot of awards at the uh, Caesar Awards including best film uh, earlier this year uh, best director best supporting actor and most most promising actor as well um, and, will we be uh, seeing it at the Oscars uh, is that how it works <laughs> don't I don't know whether this I is uh, I mean it might it might uh, if it, I mean if it wins best film in an like surely someone somewhere has watched it. I'm thinking about whether it would have had the uh, cut. It would have maybe been... Countries have to put the films forward. Oh, I see. Yeah. For, I forgot uh, about that part. Yeah. For best uh, film not in English language. So Okay, well. Anyway, I, I would certainly recommend mm. watching The Night of the Twelfth. Yeah. It made me want to watch pretty... Uh, what is it called? <laughs> I don't know what you pretty woman, not pretty woman, little pretty, um, pretty young, pretty young thing, promising young woman, promising young woman. I don't know. <laughs> Can you cut that bit, please? Thank no. you. <laughs> Staying in, promising young woman. Yes, um, which obviously is like a fictional story, but has like similar themes, and is also extremely frustrating, but an amazing film. So yes, I would like to watch that again at some point, but yeah, I haven't finished quite screaming into a pillow after this one yet, so yes. give it a bit. <laughs> yeah, can you stop doing that while we're trying to fall asleep, please? It's <laughs> really disturbing my sleep. <laughs> and finally, we are going to have a look at films on free-to-air television that you have so skillfully and carefully chosen for us, Chris. We have got uh, just a few films this week. I think um, Slim Pickens, was it? There's, there were some others that are sort of, uh, you know, pretty good ones, but ones we've talked about all the time. Yeah. So I'm, I'm trying yeah. to be a lot more selective. We, I, I feel we end up saying the same ones sort of mm-hmm. every couple of months. And yeah. So, the, I mean, these are probably possibly ones that have, have been mentioned before, but Sun on Sunday... The 10th of September on BBC One uh, at 4.15pm. So nicely in the afternoon, Sunday mm. afternoon watching. You've got Wallace and Gromit in The Curse of the Were-Rabbit, which is was Wallace and Gromit's big screen feature length debut and is an absolute banger. Yeah. It's so interesting having grown up with Wallace and Gromit because... The other ones are, yeah, they're like an hour at most, I would think. Yeah, they're sort of, yeah, they're, TV you know, episode length. Yeah, and but but some of them just feel like feature length in your mind. I don't know if maybe as a kid, obviously something that's an hour long feels like a long time because you're so young. But yeah, it's 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 interesting that now, this we, is we, the... we did we did speak about it. A little while back, but at Christmas, mm. uh, Sam, you and I watched that the the Wallace and Gromit films were on TV back to back. 
I think I it was like Christmas morning, wasn't including it? Including this one. It was Christmas morning, yeah. Christmas morning, they were on back-to-back. We turned on the TV and we watched them. And now, we've already mentioned what easy criers <laughs> we are. <laughs> yeah. But specifically Endur- what you're about to say. During yeah. <laughs> uh, a close shave. Mm. <laughs> when when Gromit is framed uh-huh. or sheep rustling. Yeah. And thrown in jail. Wrongly accused, innocent. Wrongly accused and thrown in jail. You were bawling your eyes out. I can't. I can't <laughs> deal with Gromit in prison. You were, you were you were bawling your eyes out before it happened because you knew it was happening. It was he was in prison, and then what was funny was, he, in the film, he's in prison for about a minute. Yeah, totally. Of of the entire thing, and then he gets broken out, and you were like, oh. Oh, in your mind, he was in prison for like most of the movie. Yeah, you exactly. had like a whole Shawshank thing in your mind. It going was, on, but, but that was that was your that was your distraught child childhood memory of, of watching Wallace and Gromit, and yeah, it's just so sad. Don't put him <laughs> in prison. He didn't do anything. <laughs> <laughs> He's a plasticine dog, <laughs> and he's so nice and helpful, and like. Wallace is so annoying and like makes him do all these horrible, weird things with his inventions, and like he puts up with it because he's lovely. <laughs> <laughs> and he already had to fight like a crazed penguin before. Like, let's just <laughs> give him a break. The the other ones, the short films, are no more than half an hour. Oh wow. What even yeah. cut even um close shave? Close shave is literally thirty minutes long. Wow, that that is like a journey. That film. Wow. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. Well, Curse of the Were Rabbit, awesome, brilliant. Has has some great bits in it. Very funny, and uh, yeah, deserved deserved a feature length after all those years. So amazing. Yep. Okay. Uh, let's move on to Tuesday. We have on Tuesday, twelfth of September, on BBC Three. It's back <laughs> uh, at ten PM. The Evil Dead from nineteen eighty-two. This is the nineteen eighty-two original Evil Dead, uh, directed by Sam Raimi and starring Bruce Campbell as Ash, uh, one of a group of friends who go into the woods to set a cabin and then end up. End up Reading from the Necromonicon and... Never read from the book. <laughs> must not read from the book! <laughs> and uh, unleash an ancient evil upon them. And oh, no. it's all very bloody and disgusting. And we recently watched The Evil Dead 2, mm. which was a good time. Yeah, and... that was brilliant. I'd like to watch uh, this, actually. Yeah? I mean, I've seen it, but... You, you have seen this, yes, but... I feel like well, having it was a watched, while ago. Yeah, I feel like having watched Evil Dead 2 recently, I think it'll be quite interesting to watch it. Because yep. for those who are uninitiated, Evil Dead 2 was basically a remake of Evil Dead. It basically kind of they, they essentially <laughs> the, But in like begin, a good way. The beginning of Evil Dead essentially kind of uh, sorry, Evil Dead 2 kind of retcons the end of Evil Dead 1. But they had a bigger budget for Evil Dead 2. Mm-hmm. And they just sort of like were like, ah, 
barely anyone saw Evil Dead. So At the time. Do it again. This is yeah. This is a a cult horror classic. It was uh, banned in the UK actually. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so terrible. It was, it was considered a video nasty. Have they seen? Wasn't got my clothes shaved. Though. <laughs> <laughs> that is far more traumatizing it's than this. Super is like. <laughs> Uh, but yes, it, it's classic low budget uh, horror, and uh, well worth your time and effort watching it. Excellent. Okay, so last but not least of your picks for films on free to air television, uh, which you can access regardless of you know you don't need subscriptions for this no. on Wednesday, thirteenth of September on ITV Four at nine ten p.m. It is Mad Max Two. Yes, this is the second, obviously, in the Mad Max uh, series. You say that, by... but literally, Star Wars Episode Four was the first one. So let's not get that's obviously true. about this. That but is about... true. I interrupted you horribly. I carry on. <laughs> so directed by George Miller, who has directed all of the all the Mad Max films so far. This is. Well, it's Mad Max 2, The Road Warrior, if you want to give it its sort of full title. Uh, yes, I do. It, it is, follows Mel Gibson as Mac Rokotansky, Mad Max Rokotansky, as he basically helps a tribe of people in sort of post-apocalyptic Australia as they defend themselves from a bunch of leather-clad, you know... Dominatrixly sort of looking buff men. Sounds pretty good. Yeah, it's actually quite. It's it's got a lot of similarities with Mad Max Fury Road, in terms of uh, like set pieces and things like that, and the mm-hmm. uh, way it's out. But obviously with a much smaller budget. Um, but it, it's very effective with the budget it does have, and it's uh, yeah, thrilling. Fabulous. Okay. Well, is this the kind of film where, like, do you have to have seen Mad Max first, or not particularly? It's interesting, actually. With with the first Mad Max, you're introduced to the character of Max, but you, if you think about Mad Max Fury Road, for instance, mm. there's like basically no civilization. Mm-hmm. There's um, a few places like Bullet Town and. And the sort of citadel where there's like some people collect, but actually in the first Mad Max film, it's kind of a post-apocalyptic Australia, but there are still settlements and there's still like he's he is a police officer in this sort of barely functioning sort of like um, society, mm. and there's like motorcycle gangs and stuff. So it's much more like yeah, there, there's there's still people around and there's still some sort of society. Okay, but then by the second one. That has ascent- all completely broken down, and then oh. you're into more of a much much more of a dystopian hellscape. Interesting, and I'm sure a cab applies there. Yeah, too. cool. Um, okay, he's well, interesting. Cop. He's not a cop anymore, but the second and third one. So. Oh, and and the errors of his ways, maybe. Well, yeah, and also partly due to the fall of society. Interesting, interesting. Okay. Don't need a don't need cops if you're going to be. No, no one to police. Hmm. Okay. Well, there's a thinker for you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Do we need cops? <laughs> um, <laughs> <new> society. Hmm. <laughs> hmm. 
Uh, okay, well, so yeah, so we can we can just jump into the into the franchise mid. Yeah. If if you, I mean, I suppose like for me, I don't think I'd seen any of the Mad Max films prior to Mad Max Fury Road, so I guess I did that same thing. Yeah. So okay, well, brilliant. Well, thank you so much, Chris, for guiding us. That's quite all right. This week. And um, we will be back in a couple weeks' time. And in between here and then, uh, you will be able to catch Danny and Max as Max brings you another action film that he has enjoyed and will dissect for you. So thank you again for listening and we will see you very soon. Bye bye. <laughs>